Hello and welcome to the Easy Agile podcast. Each episode, we talk with some of the most interesting people in tech, in agile and in leading businesses around the world, sharing fresh perspectives and learning from the wealth of knowledge each guest has to share. We talk all things from building authentic workplace cultures, implementing agile, agile methodology, our new world of work and so much more. We have some amazing guests lined up this season and we're really excited to be sharing these conversations with you all. So if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review in your favorite podcasting app. Let's jump into the latest episode. Hey everyone and welcome back to the Easy Agile podcast. So I'm Chloe, Marketing Coordinator, Easy Agile, and I'll be your host for today's episode. So before we begin, we'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land from which I am recording today, the Wadi Wadi people of the Darawa speaking nation, and pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging. We extend that same respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who are tuning in today. So we have a very exciting guest on the podcast today. This guest has been involved with the Atlassian ecosystem since 2006 and is a frequent speaker at Atlassian events. He has worked as a senior consultant for a solution partner, supported Jira and Confluence at Amazon, and his current role at Splunk executed a cloud migration to Atlassian Enterprise Cloud for over 10,000 colleagues. So welcome to the Easy Agile podcast, Greg Warner. How are you? Thank you. Good. And thank you for having me. No worries. It's great to have you here today. This is one of my favorite topics when we talk about cloud migration. And yeah, I hope hope we can can explain, I hope I can explain why. Yes, that's exactly what we want for you. Because I remember when we met at Team 22, you were just so passionate about cloud migration and had so many insights to share. And I was very intrigued as well. To give you a bit of background about myself, yeah. I haven't always been a cloud person, right? So you mentioned before about being involved since 2006. Uh, yeah. I was involved early days with when, when Jira had the several different flavors of standard and professional. When you'd order an enterprise license from Atlassian and they'd send you a shirt, that was like the, one of the differences between one of the licenses. So based a lot in the server versions over many years, I looked at the cloud as being as being the poor the poorer cousin, if you like, you know, I'd, I'd been to several yeah. you know, nice and summits and later team events where there was always, you know, things of what was happening in cloud, but not necessarily in server. And, you know, I, I participated in, in writing exam questions for a license certification program for both server and DC. So for me in the last you know, 18 months, two years now to make this fundamental shift from being certainly a proponent of what we were doing on, on server and DC to now absolutely cloud first. And that is the definite direction that we as a company have chosen, and certainly why I'm so passionate about speaking to to other enterprise customers about their cloud migration journey. Wow. So what do you think it was that you were like, okay, let's migrate to the cloud as you were so involved in the server DC part of it? What was it that grabbed your attention? So when I well, I joined I joined Splunk in, in 2019 and you know, it wasn't it wasn't all roses in the, in regards to how we maintained Jira and Confluence. It wasn't uncommon to have outages that would last hours, right? And for a for two systems that are so critical to our business operations to have that, I was kind of dumbfounded. But I thought, hey, I've been here before. I have seen this, and so it was a slow methodical methodical approach to root cause all the problems, get us to a version that was in long term support, and then take a breather. Once we got to that point where we didn't have outages, 
we kind of think about what the future would, would be. And for me, that future was exactly what I'd done before, what I'd done at Amazon, right? Which is where we would move all of our on-prem infrastructure during Confluence and Crowd to public cloud. So whether it would be AWS or GCP, something of that flavor. I'd done that before, I knew how we were gonna do that. To the extent that I'd even, you know, we'd, we'd held meetings in my team about how we we're gonna stand up the infrastructure, what the design was gonna be. But there was probably one pivotal conversation that was with with our CIO, and it was in one of those, you know, just just passing by. And he's like, "Greg, I've seen I've seen the plans and the funding requests." He's like, "But have you considered Atlassian Cloud?" Now, the immediate personal reaction to me was like, "We are not going to do that because you know, I'd seen the iterations. I'd seen it over time, right? I'd worked for a solution yeah. partner. I'd worked with customers in cloud. Never really thought it we could be, it could be enterprise ready, right? So my immediate reaction was going to do that. I said. I'm not gonna answer that question right now. I said, I, I don't know enough to give you an answer. And I'm absolutely glad I did that because I would have put a foot in my mouth had I, had I given the, the immediate response that was. So yeah, I took, took, that, took, that, uh, took that question, went and did some analysis, spoke to our technical account manager at the time and really looked at like where had, what had been going on and where was cloud today? Like where was it in its maturity? And the actual like monumental thing for me was like, that is actually ready. Like, People make excuses for why they can't do it, but there are a bunch of reasons why you should. And if we look at us as, us as a company, with our own products that we are, we are moving our own customers to cloud and we are using cloud services like Google Workspace and Zoom and a variety of SaaS applications. What was so different about what we did in engineering that couldn't go to cloud? And that was, that was like, okay, I, I think the CIO is actually asking me a much bigger question here. So the result of that was, yes, decided that it was, it was the right time for Splunk to move. And that is a monumental shift. And I know there's a lot of Jira admins out there that are like, if you do this, you're putting your own jobs at risk. The answer is no, you're not. And, mm. and even within my, within my team, when we had discussed this, yeah, there was an emotional connection to, to maintaining on-premise infrastructure. And when we're giving our own jobs away and we do this, the result of that is no. And that, that there have actually been two people in my team that got actually promoted through the work of our cloud migration that otherwise wouldn't have because they could demonstrate the skills. But that's kind of like the, the, the backstory about how, how we decided to, to go to cloud. And I yeah. think as we're thinking about it, there is a mental shift first. Before you even go down the technical path about how you would do it, change your own mind so it's open so that you're, you're ready for it as well. Yeah, I love that. You weren't like, no, I don't want to do that. You actually stepped away, took that time to do your research and think maybe cloud is the better option for Splunk which is just so great and really created that mental shift in yourself. So when you say that your employees, like everyone kind of has that biff that, oh, we're going to lose our job if we move from on-prem to cloud and those employees ended up getting promoted, how did their roles change? When we move from, from on-prem to cloud, you no longer have to maintain the plumbing, right? The, the, yeah. You no longer have to maintain all the plumbing that's supporting Jira, Confluence, Bitbucket, whatever, whatever it is that you're going to move. Now, we thought that was the piece that was actually providing value to the organization. And it wasn't until we went to cloud, we actually realized it wasn't. Like what we can do now is different. And that's what my team has done. They've up-leveled. So in the time since we moved from, from, from Jira, Confluence on-prem to cloud, we now get involved a lot more with the, the business analysis and understanding what our project teams want. So when someone from engineering is requesting something that has an integration or a workflow, we've got more time to spend on that then are we going to upgrade? Are we on the current feature release? Is there a bug we have to close? You know, Log4j is a prime example where our, the, the extent of where we covered was logging a call with Atlassian Enterprise Support, 
and them telling us, yep, it's done. Whereas other colleagues in, within the ecosystem that I spoke to spend a week dealing with that, right? Dealing with patching and upgrades. So the, the value for our, for our team in the work we do has shifted up. We've also done Jira advanced roadmaps in that time. So we, we, we being able to provide things we would never have got to because we were too busy doing the plumbing. To the extent now that when we have a very small footprint of on-prem that remains, and that's primarily FedRAMP and IL-5. It's not quite certified yet, it's gonna get there. So we have a very small footprint and I'm the one who has to do the upgrades. And now you look at it like, oh my God, like that's gonna be this couple of week task we're gonna do where I could do all this other better work that's waiting for us mm -hmm. in cloud. You don't realize it until you have it removed how much you used to do. And so we used to do two upgrades of Jira and two upgrades of Confluence a year. We put that down to about a month's work of each. By the time you do all of your, your testing and your staging and, and do that. So you're really looking at four months of the year, you were spending just doing upgrades. We don't have that anymore. It's completely gone. And so wow. now we, we, we make sure that we do things cloud first. We don't bring across behaviors that we were doing on-prem into, into cloud. So that's probably one thing we learned was that don't, don't, implement, don't implement server and DC in cloud. Yeah. That's so great. It seems like it's opened up a lot more opportunity for you as well. So I think something that I kind of want to look into and understand a bit more is that people focus a lot on the technical aspect of the cloud migration. What what other aspects do you think need to be considered? Certainly people. I mean, I mentioned you know, at the very front here how we had the mental mindset, and that really yeah. started with with my team to get their mind around how we're going to do this cloud migration. There isn't necessarily yet a, a roadmap that says these are all the steps you need to take to get ready for your cloud migration. Yeah. So we had to invent some of those. And, you know, one of those two was what did we want to get out of the cloud migration? I, I speak to other Atlassian customers who talk about they're running a project. The project is the cloud migration. Here's, here's the start and the end is the cloud you know, migration day. No, completely wrong. The, the cloud migration actually has a beginning, a middle and an end. What, what you're talking about here about the first changes is in the beginning. And that should be we're moving to cloud because it should be fundamentally better than what we have today, right? If it's not better, there's no, there's no value in doing any activity, right? So we started with a vision and that vision was that all of the core things had to work from day one and they had to work better. So create issue, edit issue, update issue, that just needs to work. There should be no argument whether it does or does not. That needs to work and work better. Create a page, edit a page, you know, share a page. That stuff needs to work in confidence without, without any problems. We also need to make sure that there are people in the organization who this could be a fundamental change of how they work, depending on how much they work with Jira and Confluence. So appreciating that there is a, some change management and some communications that needs to be ready as you do your cloud migration to ensure that your vision is, is going to work. But also acknowledging you will break some things. Like you're not going to be able to do a cloud migration and shift you from A to B without nothing. It will go wrong. So we were aware of yeah. that. And for that, what I, what I would always tell people is that like we're really fixed on the vision. Right, of making it sure it's better than it was today, but flexible on the details, how we get there, we will probably find different ways as we go along because things will change, cloud changes itself, you'll discover things you didn't know before. There was a Jira admin that made a decision 10 years ago, you now found that. So yeah, very, very fixed on that vision that day one, that we had to have this unboxing experience that when people got to use Jira and Confluence Cloud for the first time, they could see why we'd spent so much effort to make sure it was polished and things just worked. And as you went a bit further out, there might be things to do with apps that might not be quite the same. That's okay. And then further out, things you just ultimately can't control. For that, we had 76 integrations of teams that had written automations from all over, from all over the company. We, we're never going to get to find out what they do, but we knew that some of those would probably break. 
So just dealing with some change control and allowing those people to know this is coming, what the rest endpoints will be, how to set up their API keys. We did a lot of that, but we did have one integration that broke and that integration broke because the entire team was on PTO or leave that week. Like we can't avoid yeah. that one, but it was good to see other teams actually jumped in because they'd been involved in updating theirs to go and help and fix that. So that was okay. We had one one integration that we really gave the white glove support to, and that was for, uh, we have a Salesforce to Jira integration. That's a yeah. revenue generating integration. We gave that a lot of attention to make sure that just worked. But yeah, the 76 others, we provided a runbook. The runbook was essentially teams like you do things like this. So they knew how to change and update to, to the new system. But yeah, certainly the beginning, middle and end, the, the beginning is all those little th- those shifts that you have to change and probably some history about design decisions. The middle is in fact your, your cloud migration and the end, middle to the end is everything you do with it afterwards. So that's where the real value comes from your cloud migration is once you're in, what can we do with it? And we are towards the end of that now. There have been things that I couldn't have planned for that people have done. So we did your advanced roadmaps, the saving the forest there, but also we're encouraging our staff to extend the platform. That used to be really difficult. We've worked with Atlassian to understand what, what should that look like. And we've settled on using Atlassian Forge. And so now we have our first app this week in UAT, in you know, in, our, in Atlassian Cloud to solve business problems that we have. And that's a, a custom Atlassian Forge app. And we're encouraging our engineers to build those and so they can, they can extend and get that real value through the cloud migration. Yeah. Wow. You've come so far and it's nice to hear that you're like towards the end of it and all the opportunities are coming with it and you're seeing all the value. It's all paying off as well. I think I just want to go back to that moment where you talk about there isn't essentially a roadmap out there. There isn't someone or something to follow where it says, this is where you need to start. These are the steps to cloud migration. And I think a lot of people, that's what they fear. They're like, we're not sure exactly where to start. We're not sure what roadmap will follow. How do you kind of navigate that in a way? So I get back to that, that, that when I talked about the vision, we said, you know, we're, we're fixing the vision, flexible details. Early yeah. on, when we signed for cloud migration, it was in the first week after we'd signed for it. That yeah. same CIO asked me, uh, Greg, what, what's our date? When are we moving? Because you've sold me that this is so much better. Where's the action? Like, when, when are we going to get this? And I, we, we took a good, good six weeks after we signed to actually understand the tooling that's available. So for, for Jira, there's really two, there's two options. There's the Jira site import and the Jira Cloud Migration Assistant. And on Confluence side, there's one that's the, called the Confluence Cloud Migration Assistant. We had to kind of understand how those technologies work. And for a couple of weeks there, my team actually considered, you know, if we did the migration ourselves, we could probably save the company a bunch of money and, we'd, and we would own it. We would know how this thing worked. And yeah. we got about four weeks in and decided that was a terrible idea. Do not do that. So <laughs> yeah. any enterprise customers I talk about that say we're going to do it ourselves, do not do that. Do not do that. And part of the reason is that there's really four pillars to success for your mm-hmm. cloud migration. It's Jira, Jira migration, Confluence migration, apps, and users. And we did not know how to do apps and users. We probably could have got away with Confluence and Jira, but we said, look, this is something that we actually need to have a partner involved. And so we did ask for partners to provide provide their way of, of doing it, knowing what they knew about us and we did provide as much detail as we can. We could. We had two partners that actually provided completely different methodologies how to get there. So this is that this is that flexible on the details. Yeah. But we really had to make a decision on what worked for us. So it really came down to Jira. Would we do a big bang approach and just switch it over in the course of a weekend, or did we want to do 
cohort by cohort over time. And we decided for us, because we are a 24-7 organization that's supporting our customers, doing the big bang switchover, that was the best way to do it. So that's one of the reasons we chose the, the partner we did. But that partner didn't necessarily have a roadmap of where they want to go, but we did then explain what we want to get out of this. Like that was the first thing was about, it needs to happen on a weekend. So that then filters down what your choices are. The ecosystem apps part is really important to make sure that one is there may have been apps installed in your in your system that have been there for 10 years and you're not sure why they're there anymore because it was four Jira admins ago, nobody knows what's there. But if they don't have a cloud migration pathway, you really should consider they're probably going to hit their end because there is no equivalent, so you can rule them out. Identify the ones that do have a, a business process with them. And for that Salesforce for us, we had to find a, a cloud-first connector that would work. So that that meant that we knew that was going forward. But really, I think the key thing that we invented that we didn't, didn't know about was that we created this thing called an app burndown. And that's where we looked at all the apps we had. We had about 40 apps. We said, okay, which ones are not going to go to cloud? Which ones don't have a migration pathway? which ones are going to replace something else. And so we started to, to remove apps over the course of about three months. So people would see that we're starting to get away from on-prem design decisions and old ways of doing things. But we also said, but once we get to cloud, this is the pathway out of it. So that we said, look, we're going to turn this app off, but you're going to get this one instead, which is a cloud-first app. So people could see how we're going to make the jump, like the jump over the river to get there. But it meant that we would, over time, identify apps that weren't used. If we turn them off and nothing happened, it's fine. But also yeah. we did come across some where they were critical to a business use. And so if we didn't have an answer for those yet, it gave us time to find one. And with your with your user base, typically it's your colleagues, so it's going to be your your, your most critical customers. I'm going to ask, okay, you're turning it off. When do, I, when do I get the functionality back? And by doing that app burn down over time, that does give you, buys you time to then to have that answer. So it's a much easier conversation than, I'm simply turning for functionality. I don't have an answer for you yet. Yeah. But yeah, it is. There's, there's things like that that we didn't, it wasn't necessarily a roadmap, but working with a working with a solution partner is absolutely the right way to go. Don't try and do it yourself. They will also work with Atlassian and they have far better reach into getting some of these answers than you can possibly ever have. And it happened on those three, three different occasions where our solution partner did go and speak directly with an ecosystem partner to find out What's the path forward? Like, how can we how can we make this work? So it is it is good. The, the migration is really a three way collaboration between yourself, your solution partner, and Atlassian, and you all have the same same goals, right? You want to get to cloud, and it does work. It does work really well. Wow. Yeah. So sounds like hope everyone got that advice. Definitely don't take this on on your own. Reach out to solution partner, and I really like how you said you went to two different solution partners and you found out what their ideas were, which ways they wanted to take you, so you could kind of explore your options, work out what was the best route for Splunk, and it's worked very well for you as well. No, the choice of the partner is, is, is really important, and it's probably one of the earliest decisions that we that we made to get that one right, and I remember several times thinking about how we got this right, have we got the right people on board Do we speak to, and it was like an interview process, to the extent that when we had our final day after we'd been working with Atlassian and with our partner for six months, you know, one month after our, our migration was completed and we're all done, we had we had one final Zoom call with all of us and you know took a photo and did that. But it yeah. kind of felt like a breakup, to be honest, because we'd been in like each other's faces for six months and working on it. And we're, now we're all saying goodbye. We might not see each other. It was, it was like the weirdest feeling, right? Mm. But it, it, it did work. And so, yeah, that is a real fundamental choice. Just take the time, make sure they understand what they want to do, make sure you understand how they're going to do it. But yeah, if we if we if we'd have done it, taken it ourselves, we would have got ourselves all caught up in knots. It wouldn't have been a successful migration at all. So yeah, and I, as again, I'm a technical guy. 
They wanted to solve it. They wanted to be like, but I think the actual right answer was no, you don't need to know how this works 100% because you're going to do this hopefully just once. And so focus yeah. on the real business value things about dealing with stakeholders and the change and making design decisions that, that are really important for you because you're going to own those probably the next decade rather than worrying about how do I get my data from one from A to Z. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely would have felt like a breakup because you would have been working side by side for so long, yep. dealing with so much. Are you still in contact with them or you just... Yeah, we are. We have this yeah. fundamental thing we, we always said is is we're always, if there's a problem, we're always cautiously optimistic we're going to solve it. We did yeah. have engineering challenges that we went through. But I did say right early on is the ecosystem is not that big and we're all going to bump into each other at some point. So yeah. let's make sure that we're still friends at the end of this. And I didn't realise how important that was until later when I was in New York for, for Christmas and I arranged to meet the project manager that worked for us. She lives in New York. So I said, how about I meet you? So, yep. So we met each other at, a, at the hotel and she's like, I have never met a customer outside of work to do this. I'm like, but I, said, yeah, I gave the story about it. It felt like a breakup, but I did, she did say that at the beginning, you know, you said, we'll be friends after this. Like, yeah, yeah, it is because it can be really hard. Like, I've, I've been on the consultant side where you kind of have to have some hard conversations and, you know, sometimes you want to make sure that everyone understands the problem. You're trying to make it better. And so that, yeah, at the end of it, you can still be friends like that. That is the thing. Like there probably will be engagements later on that you might need them again. So you want to make sure that you have your choice of best in breed partner to choose from. You have those relationships. They understand where you want to try. So yeah, it is, it is really important to yeah, choose the right, choose the right partner. Don't necessarily base it on price, but choose a, choose a partner that's going to work for you, understands what you're trying to get out of your cloud migration. And yeah, they'll be there in the future when you need them for another cloud migration or a much more gnarly project. Yeah, try and be try and be friends at the end of it. Yeah, and definitely it's good that you have that friendship now because they have that understanding about your business and what you want and the value of it. So if you do need help again, it's a lot easier to bring them on board straight away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So now that you've performed a cloud migration and you're coming towards the end of it, do you do you look at the process any differently to when you were at the very beginning? I thought we were just ex- executing a, a data migration, just yeah, on-prem to cloud, Yeah. pretty straightforward, nothing big. I was pleasantly surprised as we we're making some of these decisions as we went along that it was more, it was more than that. There were business processes that we could improve. There was yeah, the, the beginning, the middle, and the end. I didn't realize that until actually after the end. So when we did our, our cloud migration, it was actually the week before Thanksgiving in the US. So it was November 19. And even that, that decision was made in, in like just going for a walk at lunchtime. Like, when should we really do this? And I kind of came down again, spoke to my project manager and said, how about we do this for cloud migration the week before Thanksgiving? Because 50% of our workforce is located in the US and a large proportion of that will be on leave or PTO before. So by doing it over a weekend before then, we're ensuring that like a re- when you open a new restaurant, you don't want to have all of your tables full on the first night. We knew that we weren't going to have everybody using Jira and Confidence day one after a migration because we're going to break some stuff. That actually turned out to be a really exceptionally good idea. And I encourage people to find, look at your look at your data and work out when is when is a low time to do this. But, you know, I, again, being involved in Jira and Confidence for a long time, I just thought it's a task tracker and it's a wiki. Like, there's nothing there that, that, that I don't really know about. But one of the decisions we made was actually that when we were, when we completed the data migration and it was ready to go, 
I always said like, if we waited, do we get a better result? And the answer was no, we should make this available to people now. And so we opened it up on a, on a Sunday morning in the US, which was starting to be business hours in Australia. We started making teams aware that they can now go ahead and use Jira and Confluence. And it was the feedback that we immediately got from those teams that were starting to use um, Jira Service Management in cloud for the first time about, wow, this is so much better than it was on-prem. And, and people said, I can actually see the attention to detail you've made on fields and descriptions and how, how the changes you've made. And it started to impact people's workday that, that this was better than it was. I didn't expect that to come back. And so I have a montage that we share with the team of all these Slack messages from people saying, this is really good. Like this is much better than we had before. Yeah. What I didn't also, what I didn't also realize is that when, when we moved from on-prem to cloud is the data that we had became more usable and accessible. Hadn't planned that. It, it, it seems obvious now, but when we, when we put it in cloud and it has all the security controls around it and now and no longer has the requirements of things like VPN to get access to it, people could build new things to use it, to, to be able to interact with your issues, to interact with pages. And so we started with 76 integrations and over the space of three months, we're now, we, we had this big jump in the first three months up to about 100 and something. And now we're going to Forge. And what it means is people who have had this need to be able to get to the data can now get to it. I didn't see that coming. I just thought we were just you know, server cloud and, and but yeah, having having it more accessible has led to improvements in the way that our teams are working, but also how they use it in other applications that just simply wasn't wasn't available before. Yeah, wow. That's great. And it's good that you were able to receive that feedback straight away from the teams that you had in Australia. I think that's really good. And it sounds like it's created such a good opportunity for you at Splunk as well now that you're on cloud. It has like it's 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 certainly a business lever that can propel you forward. And I, yeah. I eagerly come in now and look at what are other teams gonna do with it. And so when we had the first team that said they want to build a forge app, I'm like, sure. Like we should not discourage that at all. Like extend yeah. the platform. That's why we spent the spent the money and time to do it. Like what can you do with it now? Uh, and we did certainly making uh, Atlassian aware on the product side, like how we're using it and where we'd like to see improvements. I've, you know, if you look at this, the server DC comparison, I used to be that person that would look at the, the new features in cloud and ask that question about when is that new feature coming to on-prem to going to being that customer who's now, I have that feature today, right? Yeah. And I'm using it because we don't wait, we don't wait for it. This is the things, right? So you mentioned about you know, things you didn't plan for on the roadmap. There are design decisions that I talk to enterprise customers that I need to, need to make aware of. But one of them is to do with release tracks. So in, in enterprise cloud, you can choose to bunch up the change to cloud and then they get released periodically, every two weeks, every month. When I looked at that, I came back to one of our principles about don't implement server in cloud. Like, why would we do that? Atlassian has far more data points on whether this works for customers at scale than we do. So why would we hold back functionality? So as a result, we don't do release tracks. We let all of the new functionality get delivered to us as Atlassian sees fit. And the result of that is our own engineering staff, our own support staff who use Jira, get the notifications about new products and features. I'm like, this is fantastic. Like, Again, why would we implement server, which is where you'd bunch up all your changes and then, and then go forward. The other thing too about our cloud migration journey is don't, don't be blinkered that you're just doing a cloud migration today and then the project ends. There are things you need to be thinking about as you, as you go along, but what's the impact in the future? So mm. for us, we have multiple sites. For enterprise customer, we have multiple sites. So there are uh, design decisions that we've made so that we can, in the future, do cloud to cloud migration. You will move sites. Your organization could be bought or could be buying companies. So you do mergers and acquisitions. And so as part of that, we have um, some run books now that talk about 
using the cloud to cloud tooling so we can move a Jira project from a site here to a site there, how we'd move users here and who's there. And that actually came about through the assistance with our TAM, just like not focusing just always on the cloud migration date, but also like what's that look like six months later? What's it look 12 months later? Yeah. So that you don't perform your cloud migration and then lock yourself in a corner later on. Oh, now I have to unwind something. I had the opportunity to fix it. So yeah, I do, I do encourage migration customers to also think, six months, 12 months beyond their cloud migration about what could also happen and then yeah. speak to your solution partner about design decisions today that could affect you in the future. Yeah. So you definitely need to be thinking future focus when you're doing this cloud migration. And do you think, is there, I know you've addressed like a lot of the opportunities that came out of the cloud migration. Was there any anything else that was like an unexpected value that came from it that you wanted to share? The, the only thing to value is make it more accessible. Yeah. We have seen people use it in different places that we hadn't thought about. So some of the things that we were doing before, before we had to have a company-owned asset to get on the VPN to do things like that. That actually restricted people and where they could do work. Whereas now we've, you, as long as you've got a computer or a mobile device connected to the internet, absolutely you can use a mobile device support. You can get access to it. Approvals that used to be done on a computer are now done on a mobile device. Those those things, but I think the integrations has been, probably been the one thing I'm most that we we were not the catalyst. We you know we kind of pushed it along, but you know, seeing people get real use out of it and using the data for other purposes. We have seen people build some microservices that use the data from Jira that we couldn't do before. Again, you just you're just unlocking that potential by making it more usable and accessible. Yeah, and I think as well after so after going through the whole migration journey and like you said you're coming towards the end of it what were the things that stood out to you that you're like okay they didn't go so well maybe if I was to do this again how would I do this better next time so I get back to that day one unboxing experience you know you want to yeah. make, you want to give it that best experience and we we, we delivered that for people in Australia and, and, and APAC as we opened it and they got to use Jira for the first time and it worked fine. And that is mainly the result of a lot of emphasis on the Jira piece because we said, we know this is going to be hard. It's got workflows, issue schemes, notification schemes, like this is going to be hard. So we started that one really early and then yeah. probably about 60% down through our migration journey, we started on confidence. We thought, how hard can confidence be? It's a bunch of spaces and, and pages. It can't be that hard. We actually hit some, some migration challenges with the engineering tooling with confidence, which meant that the, the confidence UAT was delayed. Jira Conf, the Jira UAT was fantastic. Ran for a month. We found some problems, got it fixed, got answers. We were really confident that was going to be fine. And then we hit this confidence piece. Where we are like, wow, this is going to be a challenge. And... There, there was at least one time I could think of, it was, it was a Saturday morning at breakfast where our solution partner sent me a Slack message about, I think we've got a problem here with some tooling. What are we going to do? Towards the middle of the day, I was kind of scratching my head like this could be a real blocker. Uh, we actually worked, worked at Atlassian, came up with an engine solution, cleared that out. That was good to see like in the space of you know, 12 to 24 hours out of a solution. But what it meant was that it delayed the confidence uh, UAT and uh, it, really made, it made it a week. And there was, there was something we found to do with the new Confluence editor and third-party apps right at the end of that week. And we had to really negotiate with our stakeholders to make this go ahead because, again, if we'd waited, we'd get a better result. No, we really should go. We know that there's this problem. It's not system-wide, but it affects a small group of people. So we did it. All right. But so for about 100 people, they have this really bad Confluence experience because of this thing. And so for me, I couldn't deliver on that. That, that thing I promised, which was like a day one experience, yeah. was going to be better than what I had before. Now, we did work with Atlassian and app vendors to get some mitigation. So it wasn't as bad as it was on, it wasn't as bad on day five, it wasn't day one, but it wasn't perfect. 
but I would certainly encourage people to to make sure that you do treat Jira and Confluence with as much importance as each other. They do go together. When I did our cloud migration, like we did it on a, on a, on a weekend, and I re- remember coming back after dropping my kids at school on a Tuesday and sitting in the, in the car park, it's like, wow, we actually pulled that off. Like we, if we'd proposed <laughs> to the company to move your company email system and your finance system on a weekend, the answer would be no, because that's too big a hat. But we, what we'd said is we're going to move all of our Atlassian stack in a weekend, which really is two big systems, Jira and Confluence. So yeah, yeah. if I have a time again, we would have started Confluence much, much earlier. Uh, and then we wouldn't have the need to to rush it at the end. And that, that yeah. really did result in a bad day one experience for those people. We have worked with Elastic since then. We're getting that resolved. We know other enterprise customers have the same problem. But yeah, it is, I would start early and don't and don't underestimate the complexity you could have. There are, will be some things outside of your control. Talk about this, this conference problem about and the migration tooling, which is actually due at scale. Not every customer will see it. We, we saw it. I conducted customer interviews when we were doing our solution partner decision. And the, the customer actually told me this. It's like, I should have started Confluence because we had this problem. Uh, we wasted some time and we did it, right? I even have it in my notes. Yeah. But it wasn't until later, like, same problem. Like, you even, you even had the answer and I told you and you still waited. So I'm, I'm spending a few minutes on this, on this podcast talking about it because it happened to me. It's probably going to yeah. happen to the next person. So if I could do one thing and that is just encourage you to start it earlier, you're going you're gonna end to end up with a much, much better migration. And hopefully can deliver on that day one experience that I couldn't do. Yeah, no, I'm so glad that you shared that with the Easy Agile audience as well, because now they know, and hopefully the same mistake won't keep getting repeated. Well, Greg, my final question for you today, and I don't know if you want that to be your answer, but I think it's really good just for the audience if there's like one key takeaway that they can go away with them today from the podcast, what would be that one piece of advice for everyone listening to start their migration journey? The first thing to do is to, is to prioritize it. So if you're, yeah. if you're an Atlassian customer that's using on-prem Jira or Confluence and you don't have a timeline, you don't have a priority to do cloud migration, start there. Open up the task, which is start to investigate Atlassian Cloud and choose a date. Because yeah, like there will come a situation down the track where you might be asked by your CIO, and so it's better to have an answer prepared already. And I would encourage people to start to look at it because it is it is the future. Like if you look across the industry, people are moving to SaaS. It's really a question. Like, do you want to do you want to maintain and be that customer that's wondering when that feature is coming to cloud, or do you want to be that customer in cloud who has it today? We have seen a monumental shift to when we move to cloud in functionality, availability, all the good things that cloud delivers. And that's one biggest proponent, like the person that used to write exam questions for servers now saying, go to cloud. Absolutely. Yeah. So when I've spoken to other enterprise customers, particularly the team, I said, like, when's, when do you plan your cloud migration? I was like, well, we're going to start it in three years. I'm like, three years, you need to go back to, to the office next week and start like 12 months because yeah. Yeah, you will, there is a, absolutely a competitive advantage to doing it. And it's not just me being now the biggest cloud proponent. It's like, we see it, we see it every day. And for me, this is one of the most Influential projects I've been involved in, particularly with Atlassian, in you know, since 2006, right? This this one here is, is going to have a long-lasting effect at Splunk for a long time, and I'm happy to speak to to yourself at Easy Agile and others about it and, and hear about their cloud journey because I'm going to get a team next year. I want to make sure we, we have these conversations in the hallway about I got that one thing. It's, it's either I started my conference migration earlier or I actually put in a timeline of when we should start our cloud migrations. Yeah, beautiful. That is some great advice to take away, Greg. And so, honestly, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. You have provided some brilliant insights, takeaways, and also 
because there is no roadmap, I feel like your guidance is so good for those who are looking to start their cloud migration. Yeah, we really appreciate you sharing your knowledge. All right, thank you for having me on. Thanks for listening. No worries.